Well, hey, Riverside, how are you doing? Good to see you. Uh, my name is Ezra. I'm one of the pastors uh, and uh, just honored to be able to share with you this morning. And we're going to be looking in James chapter three as we continue coming down towards the end of our quarantine uh, series and uh, getting excited to jump into the gospel of Mark in just a couple weeks. Uh, but uh, we've been using this opportunity to uh, just preach on passages that have really impacted us during this time that have spoken into our lives. And so I'm going to be looking at James chapter 3. We're going to be talking about uh, this topic of wisdom this morning. And this is a season where we just need an incredible amount of wisdom uh, as individuals, uh, as a church, as a nation, uh, that wisdom is in desperate need and in short supply uh, in, in a lot of places, it seems, um, we live in what they call the age of information, right? We're in the information age. There is so much information available to us. And sometimes we make the mistake of equating information with wisdom. Having a lot of information doesn't necessarily lead to wisdom. And in fact, I've been thinking over the past couple of weeks that the more information we have, it might make it actually harder to arrive uh, at a place of wisdom. I, I kind of think of it as wisdom is, is knowing how to apply the information that you're receiving, how to discern how to, uh, how to sort it out and to understand what the best decision is to make in light of the information that you have. Uh, the challenge, obviously, that we're facing is that there's so much information coming at us and there's such a pressure on the media and, and, and those who are disseminating information to get it out quickly ahead of everyone else uh, that we kind of are at a spot where we can never fully trust the information uh, that we're receiving. Uh, just this past week, I was listening to a, a radio uh, report on the news uh, from from a, a source I trust, and uh, and the, there was a doctor and a researcher on there who said that that he was 80% optimistic that there would be a vaccine for the coronavirus in the next year or two. And so I'm driving my car, listening, I'm like, man, two years? That seems like a, a long time. Um, but if that's how long it takes, that's how long it takes. You can't speed it up, I guess, right? I get home, I look at our little uh, Amazon Alexa in our kitchen, and there's a headline on there that says, uh, that there's plans to have a, a vaccine ready to distribute by the end of 2020. Before we get to 2021, that there are plans in place to have a vaccine. That's good. So there's two pieces of information, uh, and uh, they seem to be in direct con contradiction to one another. And so how do we sort through that? You're dealing with this at home. We're dealing with this here. And, and as a church, uh, we're right on the edge of, of moving into the, the yellow phase where things begin to open up, and we're seeking God's wisdom on saying, how do we begin uh, gathering again? Uh, obviously, and I know I've heard so many pastors say this, and it, it feels cliche, right? But the church never closed. We understand that. Riverside never ceased uh, to function or to exist, and, and we've been functioning very well in an adapted situation. Uh, but there is a desire in our hearts to begin to be able to gather with you again, uh, to, to, to see one another, and we, we recognize that it's going to take a ton of wisdom to figure out how to do that well, uh, how to do that uh, safely, how to do that efficiently. And uh, so I'm inviting you to pray uh, for your church, uh, for our leaders as we're having these discussions and trying to find out a way to, uh, to be able to, to gather again, which is what we desire to do, uh, but to do it in a way that, um, that, that makes sense, that is wise, right? And so we turn to God's Word. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at James chapter 3 uh, this morning. This is a passage that I, uh, I've read James a bunch of times, uh, but I, in the Facebook Live studies that I've been doing, when we got to this section, it just struck me in a whole new way. And in fact, I, I briefly mentioned it in last week's sermon, but it was so uh, enriching to me that I wanted to come back and dig into it a little bit more deeply today. So I'm excited to do it. Uh, I hope that you will, uh, that you will receive wisdom, uh, because here's the thing. 
I'm not here to give you my wisdom today. Uh, if, if you were here to get my wisdom, you could probably turn your TV off right now. But, but ultimately what I want to do is I want to point you to God's wisdom as he's, he's revealed in his book that he's given us wisdom. And my goal today is to, uh, to pull it out, to, to hold it out before you and say, look, look at what God says. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this, isn't this powerful? Isn't this life-changing? Isn't this true? And, uh, and man, that's time well spent. So I appreciate you being here. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, we're going to read the passage and we're just going to dive right into it. So let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for this time that we get to spend together. Uh, we're not in a room together, but we are united uh, by your Holy Spirit. And uh, we feel your presence when we gather. And, uh, and so I just thank you that we have the opportunity to, uh, to interact with your word together as a church uh, this morning. We're excited to do it. And I pray that you will make it, uh, just make your wisdom abundantly known to us through this time. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, James chapter 3, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18 today. So you can go ahead and turn there in your Bible. I will have it uh, magically appearing before my face here in just a moment. So <laughs> you can read it on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But I encourage you to pull out your Bible because you can underline, you can take notes, you can do those things. I know if you're worshiping at home, um, it's still good to pull out the Bible, right? Uh, so James chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Man, such a powerful statement about wisdom that, that gets stronger as you unpack it. And so let's do that together this morning. Uh, the first thing that I want to look at is sort of this contrast that's painted in this passage between what practical wisdom is and what it isn't. Uh, the, the, the contrast of these two things. And I, and I call it practical wisdom because it's wisdom that you actually put into practice. Wisdom is not knowing the right thing to do. Wisdom is doing the right thing, right? That's, that's, what, that's what we see here. It says, who is wise and understanding? It doesn't say, hey, that guy should write a book. That guy should uh, do a podcast. That guy should start, uh, start uh, a channel of people that can follow him. No, it says, uh, it says, who is the one who's wise and understanding? You'll know it by his good conduct. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So there's a wisdom put into practice is good and godly wisdom. In fact, uh, the verse that comes right before this in James uh, is powerful. Um, uh, because it says that, uh, it's actually not in that part, it's actually a little bit uh, further along, but it's, it says in James uh, that he who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so actually, if you, it's the opposite of wisdom. If you know the right thing to do, you have the wisdom to know what's right and you fail to do it, that's sin for you, right? So wisdom is what we put into practice. Wisdom is what we do. Well, we can all talk a good game. We can all talk about uh, the things that we want to do and, and what would be wise and prudent, but what are you, what are you actually doing? Uh, I've, I've read a hundred variations of the same article for pastors that, that talks about, hey, the real pastor in this season 
is not the one who's just waiting for the doors to open back up. They're the one who's innovating. They're the one who's creating. There's the one who's, who's finding new ways to do things that nobody's done before. And I'm like, amen, brother. I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, but what are those things? Like, <laughs> let's lay it out. Uh, and beyond like writing the post, like, like what are some of those things that you're actually doing? And I'm not saying that those guys aren't. They, maybe they are. But a lot of times the articles kind of aim towards the, hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do in your situation. I'm just going to tell you that you need to innovate. Well, I want to know what you're practicing. Like, <laughs> share me some of these practical things. I'm sure you feel the same, the same way. Uh, you know, whether it's teaching your kids at home or or whatever your your career field career field or your job is, or or if you've been laid off or if you lost your job in this season, you probably are tired of hearing like, "Hey, this is the time to plan for your future and figure out a new." Um, we want something practical. That's that's great in theory, but what's the practice? Uh, and so real wisdom is found in practical wisdom, what you're actually practicing. And he talks about a couple of characteristics. He talks about good conduct, uh, that, that your behavior matches up. You essentially, you're practicing what you're preaching. If you claim to have wisdom, are you living out that wisdom? It talks about meekness. Meekness has become one of my favorite words in the Bible. I love it, and I see it popping up all over the place. We looked at it just last week in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but it's this idea of of controlled strength. Meekness is when you have the power to take what you want by force, but you choose not to do it, right? You, it, it, it's, it's a controlled strength. And, and I think, man, it's tied to humility. Uh, and so someone who is wise is not going to use that wisdom and manipulate it to their own advantage. Uh, weakness, uh, someone who is wise has, they're wise in their understanding. They, they get how things work. They don't just steamroll over other people. They, they get the arguments. They get the, the points and the facts and the information from all the channels, but they're able to uh, discern the wise path forward. They understand it. And I love at the bottom of the passage, it says that the result is a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace. I mean, man, isn't that what we want for our lives? Isn't that what you want for your life? Don't you want at the end of your life to say, man, there was a harvest of righteousness that was sown in peace by, by this person. Look at the harvest field. Look at the things, the fruit that has been borne by, by the wisdom that God has blessed them with. So that's the ideal. That's what we're aiming for. That's what good wisdom looks like. And so as you're evaluating, uh, first of all, as you're looking around at the people that you're listening to, the people that you're giving ear to, uh, the people whose articles you're reading on Facebook or online or the people that you're watching on TV, the question you have to ask yourself is, hey, would I consider this person wise? <laughs> Does this person fall, fall into that category? Is, is the wisdom that they're professing to have godly wisdom as is described in this passage? And then the same thing, you always have to turn it inward, right? How about for me? Am, 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 am I demonstrating wisdom in my life? Am I living in this way that, uh, that the Bible's calling me to live here? And so I, I told you there's this contrast. So there's practical wisdom, what, what, he, what uh, we're being shown here. The lesser alternative to this true wisdom is a boasting out of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. So it's a behavior, right? It's boasting. It's puffing yourself up. It's, it's essentially almost the opposite of meekness. It's, it's kind of grabbing for things that you actually don't even have the power for, but just through bravado and just kind of going for it, you're going you're gonna to boast and you're going to take and you're going to claim things for yourself that may or may not be accurate. Uh, and then it speaks to the action of boasting and then the motivation of your heart, which is jealousy, bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition. The opposite of wisdom in a lot of ways boils down to just selfishness. You're jealous of other people who appear to be wiser or more successful or who have a bigger audience than you. 
and and you uh, and so you want to try and cut them down so that you can elevate yourself. Uh, and then you have ambition that you're driven by ambition that you profess to be wise, but it's really because you want people uh, to follow you. Uh, you're not expressing wisdom because of wisdom's sake, right? And here's what what the Bible says about it. It says that it's earthly, so it's driven by the flesh. It's driven by the desires of of our of our corrupted hearts. Uh, that, that we want we want more, we want more prestige, we want more power, we want more influence, we want more material things, uh, we, we want, you know, driven by lust, whatever it is, that it's, it's, it's an earthly thing, it's unspiritual, again, a, a fleshly type of thing, right? It's not of the Holy Spirit, certainly, and, and if there is a spiritual component to it, it says that it's demonic, right? So if there is a sort of... Uh, knowledge, because it's not true wisdom, but if it looks like wisdom, if, if somebody does seem to have insight into some things, if it's not the, empowered by the Holy Spirit, then, then what James says, that's a demonic wisdom uh, that, that's for, for jealousy and, and selfish ambition. That's not what we want. But I wonder, as you're sitting there uh, listening to this, if there's people that are popping into your mind, people that, uh, that our culture would value uh, that would look to as voices of wisdom that are really exactly what was described here. People that are driven by jealousy, people that are driven by selfish ambition, people that are earthly and unspiritual, and ultimately that are demonic because they're serving uh, the kingdom of the devil, right? They're not, they're not serving. Now, I know these are harsh words, right? This is, this is strong language, but, uh, but it, it presents uh, this really clear choice. And I hope as you're listening to this day that it's clear to you which one we should pursue. That God's wisdom uh, is, is so beautiful. And so, so the question is, as we look at the, the stark contrast between these two things, how can we identify wisdom from above? How do we know what it looks like? When, I, when I'm thinking and processing uh, choices that I'm making for our family, when our church is making, our, the leaders of our church are making decisions about about reopening the building and beginning to gather uh, people together instead of doing ministry in a scattered sense. Uh, as we seek to make those, how can we know if, if we're leaning into wisdom? And, and so I love that uh, James here gives us a list. Uh, and man, if you're like me, I love biblical lists. I, got the, I have the, the fruits of the Spirit memorized, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The first, uh, the first passage that I ever preached was out of 2 Peter 1 because there was a nice list in there. I just um, I gravitate towards lists because I want to be able to check boxes. I want to have things to check and cross-check. And um, I know at least Paul Lees is with me on this. I don't, I don't know how many of the rest of you are super analytical in that kind of way. But, um, uh, but I love it. And, uh, and listen, you can get real legalistic and pharisaical about a list. Uh, but God puts this in here for us uh, for a reason. It's, it's a way to kind of cross-check our motivations uh, from a bunch of different directions. And so let's take a look at what, what he says in here. Uh, how can we identify wisdom that's from above? Well, it says, first, it is pure. And, and I think in biblical lists, there's always a significance to the thing that's listed first. The order is important. And I love how in James, it's actually called out. It says, hey, the first thing you need to understand is this is pure. Uh, it's not, un, it, it's not it divided. It's, it's undivided. It's not mixed in motive or ambition, right? That the goal is the pursuit of wisdom, of God's wisdom, not what's in it for me, 
not how will this affect the way that other people think, right? Uh, that, that there's a purity that says, I want wisdom for wisdom's sake, even if it's going to cost me something. If it's the right thing, it's the right thing. There's, there's a purity to God's wisdom. Um, and, and as we look at these things, I want to I continually go back and look at Jesus. I want to look at his life and what, what he did, right? Jesus was completely pure. He's the only one who ever was completely pure. We struggle to keep our minds and our, our thoughts and our motivations pure. Jesus uh, was pure. He was truly pure, purely committed to doing the Father's will. And look at all the times he was tempted by friends and foes alike to deviate from the course, and he stayed the course. The disciples would say, hey, Jesus, we're healing, and, and you're casting out demons. We should stay here and keep doing this. And Jesus is like, nope, we're, I, the Father sent me in a different direction right now. Satan comes and tempts him and says, hey, hey, uh, turn this bread, uh, turn the stone into a bread because you're hungry. And, and Jesus is like, right, he's never, uh, his, his motives were never divided. Um, and so, um, so it's a good question to ask when you're evaluating a decision. Is this wise? Hey, what are my motives? Are my motives pure here? Or is there some sort of self-interest or, 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 or ambition that's, that's, that's uh, shading my judgment in this area? Um, so Jesus is the only one who had a pure heart. He's, uh, but he's the one that we, he's the way that we can get this right. He's the only one who's able to give us a pure heart. Uh, he can, he can take out our heart of stone and replace it with a, a heart of flesh. That's a heart that is de devoted to the father. And so, so we look to Jesus, not only as our example of purity, but the way to get to a place of purity. Second thing it says is that, that this kind of wisdom is peaceable. Uh, it's, it's not intentionally divisive, confrontational, uh, or rash. It's not, it's not, wisdom doesn't lash out, right? That wisdom looks for a path of peace. It looks for a way uh, to, to create a scenario in which everyone can get on board with it. Even if they, they may not naturally like it, it might not be what they would have desired, but they can come to a place where they're at peace with it. Uh, the, the true wisdom seeks to make peace. Now, you might say, hey, didn't Jesus say I came to, to, to cause a division? And didn't Jesus flip the tables over? Yeah, there were times when Jesus had to confront. Uh, but it was in the pursuit of peace. And sometimes you have to fight little, 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 little skirmishes here to avoid a much bigger conflict down the road. And I think that's what Jesus understood. So it doesn't mean that there's, there's never a time to draw a line in the sand. It doesn't mean that there's never time to confront. But wisdom pursues the path of peace. Peace is the first option. That's the desired option, right? And so, uh, so as you're thinking about options and choices, and I'm thinking about options, I have, uh, man, that's a driving, uh, that's a driving measure that we can look at. Is is this in pursuit of peace? Is this peaceable? Uh, Jesus is our peace, <laughs> uh, and uh, and all of his actions led to the ultimate peace between us and God. We talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount, right? He is the peacemaker. That Jesus is the one who brings lasting peace between us and our creator God. The ultimate peace was accomplished by Jesus. Um, and the path that led to that was a path of peace. And that's why we call him the Prince of Peace, right? So if you want the wisdom of Jesus, it's going to be, it's going to be connected to peace. Third, it says that, uh, that this kind of wisdom is gentle. Uh, I think this is a connection to what it talked about earlier about meekness and uh, uh, this controlled strength. Uh, that it's not it's not stiff arming people. It's not it's not sort of uh, trying to get into a position of power where people have to submit to your wisdom that you're putting on them. Right? It's it's it, and wisdom can afford to be gentle because it's ultimately right. 
I, I've found this in my own life that, that, that the times when I really push hard on something and try and push through over top of people is when I'm not 100% convinced that my way is really the, the best way, right? I know it's what I want, but I, I, I don't have the confidence of knowing that ultimately everyone else is going to come to agree with that. And so when I think about that, that's when I really push and just kind of like, hey, it's because I said so, just do it, right? Um, wisdom, true wisdom can, can be gentle because it's ultimately right. It's ultimately good. And it's hard to think of someone who is more gentle than, than Jesus, if you think particularly, particularly connected to that idea of meekness, uh, controlled strength that Jesus was so powerful, and yet uh, that he, he didn't use his power to steamroll over people. He gave displays of power. He did amazing signs and wonders. He, he healed people. He spoke with incredible power. The, the crowds were amazed and astonished at the power with which he spoke. But he didn't use that power to, to um, cause other people to cower before him. Jesus was so gentle. Uh, he was so gentle in correcting Peter uh, and coming back and after he resurrected and when he went and he, he walked with Peter along the shore of the lake and he said, Peter, do you love me? Right? That, uh, that, that Jesus always has this gentle sort of approach that, that embraces his command and said, maybe you've, uh, maybe you've done some things in your life that, um, that you're struggling to believe that Jesus still loves you and cares for you and and, and wants a relationship with you. And I, I think if you just look at the scriptures and the gentleness of Jesus, you'll know that, um, that he's ready to forgive. He's ready to embrace you. Uh, that he's not going to hold it over your head. Uh, that, he, that he wants to have you in relationship with him. And, and the gentleness of Jesus is something that I think is so attractive. I think that's why so many of the, the quote-unquote sinners of the day, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, those that were outside that were considered outcasts they were so drawn to Jesus by his by his wisdom which was displayed in gentleness he didn't go through the street say listen to me i have all wisdom i am the the i am god right he came in, in a spirit of humility and, and gentleness is that characteristic of the decisions that you're making is that characteristic of 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 as we think about the choices we need to make as a church uh, will will they be peaceable? Will they be gentle? Right. Fourth, he says that that true wisdom is open to reason. It's 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 willing to talk about it. It's willing to build a consensus. It's willing to 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 share. And again, it's the same thing as what I said with gentleness. It can afford to be open to reason because it ultimately, uh, true wisdom comes out of a place that is ultimately the best thing. It's objectively the best, not just best for me, but it is genuinely the best. And so. So I'm open to reason. I'm open to talk about things. I'm open to, to lay out all the facts and, and reason together so that we can arrive at the place of true wisdom. That's very different uh, than, than trying to hide facts and cover things up and, and shade the truth and misdirect. Uh, and, and so much of that is going on uh, within our culture right now, uh, especially as we amp up towards an election. And in some ways, that's like one of the blessings that's come out of this, this whole thing. And I know it's, it's been tragic and difficult in many, many ways. Uh, but we keep looking for, for positive things. And one of the positive things is that in some ways it's really um, pulled down some of the, the rhetoric and the, the political nastiness, although I feel like things are starting to ramp back up and we need to continue to check our spirit. Are we open uh, to reason? Uh, I think uh, as well, while that a division has, uh, has always been there, right? How can we as a church from the left and the right come together 
and, uh, and love one another and make our relationship with Jesus primary. And whatever political affiliation we have is secondary to our allegiance to Jesus and, and our love for one another. And now we have a similar thing where there's, uh, there's people in a camp of, hey, let's, we, need to, we need to open up as quickly as possible. We need to restart the economy. We need to do all these things. And there's people on the other side that say, hey, uh, you know, health and safety is the top priority. And uh, you know, that, that, that's where the emphasis needs to be. And so these two sides are coming in conflict with one another. And I know you see this. And, and for most of you that are listening, you're leaning one way or the other. And I think the encouragement here is that truism will call us to be reasonable with one another, uh, that, we'll, that we'll put our allegiance to Jesus first, that we'll seek godly wisdom. Uh, the Bible talks often about putting other people before yourself, considering others more significant than yourself in, in humility, uh, the way that Christ did. And uh, so that should lead us to be reasonable, to, to have discussions, to really seek wisdom, but to do it in a way that doesn't um, create divisions and create create enemies where there should be friends. Jesus did this, right? He engaged with those who had questions, um, but, but his wisdom always proved ultimately to be superior. And, and so that's the standard that's laid out for us. It says that, uh, that wisdom is full of mercy. Man, this is powerful. Uh, but wisdom is always filled with mercy. It looks for reasons and opportunities to be merciful. It's not harsh or vindictive. It's not vengeful. How many of you guys know that sometimes you can be within your rights? You can, you can do the right thing in the wrong way. Uh, and, and when God had the right to judge us and to ultimately cast us out, he chose to show mercy. That's where uh, another favorite verse in James, James chapter 2, verse 12 says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, I love that. I love that word. There's a song that sings that, and it's, it's such a powerful idea. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment is not uh, by the letter wrong, but but mercy is better. And, and James says here that that true wisdom is full of mercy. And we see this clearly displayed in Jesus, right? That, that, that there's no greater picture of mercy than Jesus. Uh, he came to save us, and yet we crucified him, but he still shows us mercy. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. While we were enemies of Christ, he gave his life, and, and, he, and he offered us forgiveness, restoration, redemption. Uh, is mercy, are the decisions, as you're thinking about wisdom, is, is it just drenched in mercy? Because godly wisdom is. It says that it's full of good fruits. Man, this list is so good, right? Like everything, each one is, is just, um, it's just one thing after another that uh, uh, is a powerful list of the way that I want to live my life, the, the way that you want to live your life, right? Who doesn't want to have a life that's full of good fruits, right? There is a harvest. There's a track record that wisdom continually proves itself. And man, we see this so clearly in the life of Jesus, right? That in three years of ministry, he did miracles, he did signs, he did healings, he cast out demons, he forgave people, he restored people, he made disciples, he established the church, and that was all before he gave his life and achieved the ultimate reconciliation for us with God the Father. I mean, what an incredible life of fruitfulness. And he poured into and developed 
these disciples who then carried the mission forward. And here we are, 2,000 years later, in a continent that they didn't even know existed, speaking a language that hadn't developed yet, praising the name of Jesus because of the fruitfulness of his ministry. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom bears good fruit. And I don't know about you, there's, there's times in our life, you know, we make a decision, we, we look at all the facts, we, we do the best that we can, and I know that I've had some winners, I've had some things that like, yeah, that was true wisdom, that panned out great. I've had some things that I thought were wisdom, and then when I went back and looked at it later, I was like, man, I was off. I was, I, I was wrong on that one. Uh, the fruit ultimately tells the tale, right? The fruit that comes out of it. Uh, wisdom bears good fruit, a harvest of, of, of good fruit. The last thing, uh, or no, there's two more, impartial uh, and sincere. And, and I love this idea of impartiality. And I don't know that I would have thought about that, but um, James talks earlier about, hey, don't show partiality. Don't, don't value the rich man who comes into your, your gathering and, and tell the, the poor man to just sit at your feet over here on the side that, uh, that partiality is something that we as humans are just prone to, uh, to value some people over others. Man, and how missing is that in our culture today? And so as we're thinking about uh, beginning to gather again as a church, one of the things that we are really thinking about is, hey, this, if this decision is wise, it's not going to show partiality. Uh, it's not going to make anyone in the church feel like a, a second-class citizen or that, that, only, uh, that it, it only favors certain people. And so one of the things we're committed to is to continue throughout the season to provide uh, a quality way of watching and engaging online so that if you're in a high-risk group or if you have young children or for a variety of reasons, uh, even when things begin to open up, if you're not able or ready to, uh, to go to a gathering, that there's still going to be a way for you to connect with Riverside online. And we're utterly committed to that because, uh, because we don't want to show partiality or say, anybody, hey, sorry, you know, tough, tough luck for you, right? We, 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 it's, it's like a team race. We, it, uh, we don't win unless we all cross the finish line together. Uh, that, that's what wisdom looks like, and, and that's what, what Jesus did, right? That uh, It's radical. When you look at the Gospels and you see how impartial Jesus was, right? That um, uh, he showed love to, to men, to women, to the rich, to the poor, to the religious and educated, to the simple fishermen, to tax collectors, to prostitutes, to to little children, to lepers, to Samaritans, to Roman soldiers. He traveled from town to town to town, sharing the good news and invitation into the kingdom to anyone who would receive it. And he sent his disciples on a mission uh, to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. That, um, that We talk about this, that, that the gospel is exclusive in that it comes through Jesus. The way to the Father is through Jesus. And it's, this is wisdom. This makes sense. We are, if we are separated by our sin from God, uh, then we need someone to reconcile us. Jesus is the only one who can reconcile us to our Father, to our Creator. And so the way to reconcile relationship with our Creator God is through Jesus. It's exclusive in that sense, but it is incredibly inclusive in that that offer is made to every human being on this planet. Uh, that it doesn't matter where you were born, what your past history is, if you're sitting on death row, like it doesn't matter that that invitation is extended to you. I'm not going to sing Backstreet Boys. I know some of you want me to. You know, I, I, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me, right? I, I did that before, so I'm not going to go back there again. But uh, it, it's true that, 
the, the gospel is so inclusive. And Jesus demonstrated that when he was here. He was here to bring uh, the kingdom, the news of the kingdom, uh, to the nation of Israel. Um, and yet, when others from the outside would come, he was continually gentle and merciful and generous to them. And then ultimately, he opened up the way for all uh, to come to the Father through himself. And so, so uh, the wisdom of Jesus is so impartial, and it's sincere. Uh, it's not deceitful. It's not sarcastic. Uh, it's not flattering. It's not based off of public opinion. Uh, Jesus spoke truth regardless of what it did to his polling numbers. He actually fled from popularity. I think his sincerity is why so many people were drawn to him. Um, man, it should be disturbing to all of us that, that we, um, our government is essentially run uh, by, by people that by and large, and I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here, right? But, but you hear these stories about people, hey, they take a public opinion to pull, they say what the people want, and then that's what they do rather than standing back and saying, hey, what's the right thing? This might cost me, I might not get elected next time, but you know what, if this is the right thing to do, this is the right thing to do. That's the kind of godly leaders that we need. Um, a sincerity. Not saying what I want to hear, saying the truth that I need to hear, right? And so I want to conclude by, by as we've looked at this list, I want to encourage you to think about uh, when you have a decision to make, this is a passage to turn to and say, hey, I think this is what I want to do. Run, run the list. Is it, is it pure? Is it, is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it merciful? Is it sincere? Is it impartial? And then I want you to, to, to also know that James uh, tells us how we can access this kind of wisdom. And it actually starts at the back at the beginning of this letter that he wrote. And it's a passage that you're probably familiar with. Um, he says uh, in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I love how definitive that is. It says, hey, when you go through trials, you can take joy in it because it's going to produce this steadfastness in you. And, and in the midst of a trial, if you don't know what to do, ask God for wisdom. Why? Because he loves to give it generously to all without reproach. And I love the definitiveness of it. It says it will be given to him. If you pray and ask God for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. But then it puts a, a, a disclaimer that says, hey, but don't ask. You, you need to ask in faith. Um, and not faith uh, as in name it and claim it, right? Not saying, hey, Jesus, here's my wish list and I'm asking in faith, so now you have to give it to me. No, it says ask knowing that he is the source of wisdom, right? Not doubting like, oh, I don't know if, you know, does God really know what's best? Does he really have the power to do what he wants to do? Uh, don't, don't doubt God. If you're wavering and doubting uh, that, that you shouldn't expect, you're, you're tossed like a wave of the sea, but, but it says, ask in faith. Say, Lord, I know I'm in a tough spot. I need the wisdom that only you can give, and I know that you have it, and I, love it, and I know that you'd love to give it generously, and, and your word says that it will be given, and so I'm asking in faith that you will give me wisdom and you will help me to make the right choices and to discern what to do. And that can make you so confident, so freeing uh, to live 
in that way. Friends, we, we all need wisdom right now. We're in a season where wisdom is in short supply. and uh, Well, I say it's in short supply, but it's really in an unlimited supply if we know where to look. If you're looking to the world, if you're looking to news programs, if you're looking to uh, these different things, the internet for wisdom, I don't know that you're going to find it there, but I do know where you can find it. It's in the Word of God. Uh, that God wants it, and he, he loves to pour it out generously, and he wants to give it to us. And we know what it's going to look like when it comes because we just studied that, right? We just studied all the characteristics of what true wisdom looks like. And my hope is that this is going to lead us to make some really uh, significant decisions and that we're going to be leaders, a leader in your home, a leader in your community, uh, leaders in this church, uh, that we are going to be characterized by godly wisdom. So as I close, I just want to encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, that is the beginning of wisdom. That's the place to begin pursuing wisdom. And so I have this simple question to ask you today. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you've never done it before, will today be the day that you put your faith in Jesus? That you say, hey, I've tried it my way. I've tried it the world's way. I've tried it every other way. None of that is working. Jesus, I need you. I, I need your wisdom I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need all of it. I want all of the Jesus. I need it now, right? If, if that's where you're at, praise God. That is the beginning of a journey of true wisdom. And, and the greatest thing that you could do is, is just set this as a day. And so um, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now where you're at uh, just to pray a prayer, um, professing Jesus as Lord uh, and, and receiving the free gift of salvation this becomes a day of celebration. This becomes a landmark today. Today, as you're watching this, this is my daughter's birthday. Uh, for you, this could be your spiritual birthday. And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. So if you'll bow your head and just say these words to me. Say, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I repent of my sin. I know that I've become separated from you because of it. But I believe that Jesus has offered me restoration. And I take it today with joy. Thank you for this free gift. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, you are my King. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Friends, I, I hope that, uh, man, if you prayed that, one of the greatest gifts that you could give to me is, is to reach out. My info's on the screen. Just tell me the story of what God's doing in your life. I would love to hear it. I would love to celebrate with you, offer you some words of encouragement, um, and, uh, and, and help to invite you and connect you into our church family. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, I pray that you'll continue to pursue the wisdom of God. I'll see you again real soon.